This is Up for a Chat with your hosts, Cindy O'Meara and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Cindy O'Meara. And I'm Kim Morrison. And this week, oh my gosh, we have an exquisite soul, someone who may be very familiar to many, many, many of you. But of course, if you're a new listener, this incredible being is the one that helped us launch up for a chat some maybe 10 years ago. Welcome to the show, gorgeous Dr. Brett Hill. Oh, thank you for having me. I've got to say first, before we say anything else, how excited I am that you guys are back. It's been, you've been missed. And I know people talk about it all the time and still reference all of your episodes. And so it's super exciting to have you two back. And I've already seen all of the the hype online of people getting so excited that you're back. So um, I know all of those people are already super excited. And so for those who are new, who haven't seen Up For or heard Up For A Chat before, um, buckle in because you're going to love it. (laughs) You're amazing. Mm -hmm. You really were the person who you, Lawrence, and beautiful Damien were the ones that really did invite us into this platform, into this world. And so we want to acknowledge you and thank you for that gorgeous Brett. But just in case there's anyone on the show that hasn't listened to any of these shows or followed the Wellness Couch or any of your escapades, perhaps you could just give us a brief update as to what the beautiful Dr. Brett Hill has been up to over the last few years. Over the last few years, well, there's been a lot happening over the last few years. I think, um, you know, I, I got married. Uh, I had a new little boy. I've got a three and a half year old boy. So that's been keeping us busy over the last few years. Um, I'm still a chiropractor. Uh, so I have started a new practice over the last couple of years, uh, which is Healthy Choices Chiropractic and uh, and and love it. Just love uh, getting involved in chiropractic. I'm, I am still podcasting. So for those who don't know, um, yeah, I was co-host on The Wellness Guys and co-host on that Palio show. Um, and now for the last, I think it's actually four years already, which blows my mind. Um, I've been doing a podcast called This Week in Wellness. Um, and so I just released the 200th episode of that just uh, recently. Um, and that's just a really bite-sized news show. You know, So it looks into some research that's come out in the last couple of weeks um, and just talks about, you know, what have they shown? What have they found? And then what does that mean? You know, and I think that's the most important thing, you know, analyzing it from a, I guess, more holistic, more vitalistic perspective to say, well, you know, what does this really mean, this research? How does this fit into the bigger picture? You know, because I think so often we get lost in the minutiae when it comes to the research of, um, you know, what a particular study is pointing at um, without necessarily understanding it in the greater context. And so, and so that's what I do in my podcast show. Um, and now, uh, as of this year, um, I'm also the philosophy lecturer at the Australian Chiropractic College, which is a, just a massive passion of mine and something that I love doing and, and would love to talk about because um, that's lots of fun as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, keep them busy. And I'm building a boat. That's the other one. That, that's the other thing that I'm doing. I'm almost <laughs> finished. Finally, I think I started building the boat about the same time I started the Wellness Guys, which is pretty sad. Um, but I'm almost done. This this summer, we should be on the water. Oh, it's, that's so funny, Brett, because I swim with a guy and he's in his 80s. I just need you to know this. And he's been working on his boat 25, 30 years. So it's oh, still on hard better. ground. Mm-hmm. So let's just <laughs> not be that person. <laughs> oh, I feel better now. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing well. You know, I don't know how many people understand the philosophy of chiropractic and 
the fact that you are now a lecturer at the, at, I was going to say Barcelona, <laughs> Adelaide Chiropractic um, College, I would love you to talk about the philosophy of chiropractic because for me, I've lived it my whole life. It's what I do with nutrition. But let's um, let's dive deep into what the philosophy of chiropractic is. Oh, geez, how many hours have you got, Cindy? Yeah. That, that sounds like it's funny you mentioned Barcelona College of Chiropractic because um, I had a bit to do with the creation of the Australian Chiropractic College. Um, and actually, one of the earliest meetings we had was with Adrian Wenban from the Barcelona College of Chiropractic. And um, and he was able to explain to me the way that they uh, enthuse their philosophy into everything they teach uh, and how they do that so well at Barcelona. And, and that was really a bit of an aha moment for me as to how it could be done here in Australia and how it could be done, I think, better than, than what has been done previously. And so... Um, but but chiropractic philosophy really, um, you know, it, it's based in uh, some of the the early philosophy. You know, things like vitalism, holism. Um, you know, the the idea that our bodies are actually intelligent. You know, that our bodies actually have a real wisdom that um, you know, as you would say, Cindy, you know, has evolved over millions of years. You know, and an ancient wisdom there that your body knows what to do. It knows how to do it, and and we often um, don't give that enough respect you know we, we don't have a deep enough understanding of that and and I think sometimes uh, you know egotistically think that we can come in and do it better um, and so the idea with chiropractic really you fundamentally is that your body needs no help just no interference you know if we could remove the interference that stops your body from being at its best or, or just at its normal um, then the results of that are actually quite extraordinary you know your body is far more capable of adapting and repairing and regenerating and thriving than we've been led to believe. Uh, and if we can remove those interferences, you know, whether they're in our lifestyle, you know, what we eat, what we think, how we move, uh, or particularly as chiropractors, if that's, you know, misalignments in your spine that cause interference to your nervous system, you know, that interfere with that communication and that wonderful wisdom that goes from your brain to your body. You know, if we can remove that interference and let our bodies do what it's designed to do, um, then the results of that can be really extraordinary and you see some really cool things in practice. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super passionate. It's been my passion since, in fact, probably before I was a chiropractor. You know, I was one of the rare chiropractors, I think, that actually kind of discovered the philosophy before I even discovered chiropractic, you know, before I'd even seen a chiropractor or been adjusted. Mm -hmm. I'd stumbled across the, the philosophy and the idea behind it and it just made sense to me. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's kind of chiropractic in a nutshell. Hopefully that makes sense. I, I feel like I could talk about that as I, well, I do talk about that at the college for hours on end, you know, <laughs> three subjects uh, over the course of three years, I get to dive deep into all the different aspects of that. Um, but, but that's, a, I guess, a, a start anyway. Yeah. What um, intrigues me is what Adrian Wenban said to you, how to create that whole philosophy through all the subjects. Because I remember when I went to university, um, and I went to, do, to traditional nutrition, you know, university. And what I find is that I had a philosophy and it had nothing to do with my philosophy. So to have a school that actually embeds that philosophy into all the subjects, because sometimes subjects, you look at them and they're very mechanistic. Yeah. Um, can you explain how Adrian said that the school um, is able to do that? And we have to tell everybody that this is a fairly new school. It hasn't been, or college, I should say, it hasn't been around for a long time. And if you're wanting to do chiropractic, perhaps this is one of the colleges, and it is a private college, isn't it? 
Absolutely. Yeah. The, the only college in Australia designed by chiropractors for chiropractors, you know, I think, and I think that's a big difference. You know, I think a lot of the, but, you know, chiropractic can get lost in the system sometimes when it's in a big, you know, university based institution that has, you know, a lot of different fingers in the pie, you know, it makes it hard for it to stay true to, to what chiropractic is, I think, at times. Um, and, you know, obviously there are advantages and disadvantages, you know, we're not going to, you know, bag any other institutions or say that, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way, but, but this is our way. Uh, and, and this is, you know, we think it's a great way to do it. And, um, you know, and in many ways, Cindy, it mirrors what you've done with the Nutrition Academy. You know, um, I, it was, as you know, I've studied your course um, and it was an absolute joy to study your course because it was just so nice to see that, that same thing that we're talking about, that, you know, that there is an ability to take the science and the science is by its nature very reductionistic. You know, it's about isolating, you know, the small parts and, and figuring out what happens to those small parts in very specific, very controlled circumstances. Um, and that's useful. You know, that helps advance our knowledge. That's really important. Um, but it needs to be understood in the bigger picture. You know, it needs to be understood in a more holistic way of saying, well, okay, that's interesting, you know, and, and it's interesting that if we do that, that that's the change it makes to these particular cells in the heart. Um, but what does it do to the liver? You know, what does it do to the gallbladder? What does it do to your big toe? You know, how does that affect the rest of your body? Um, and if we look back at that, then how does that affect the entire population? You know, what happens if we do that same thing to a 13-year-old girl versus what happens if we do it to a 70-year-old man? You know, are there differences there? And this is, I think, really you know, chiropractic right from the very beginning has talked about the science, the art and the philosophy, you know, mm. and I think that that's been lost in our healthcare system in many ways, you know, and, and I think it's really important and I think it needs to come back. And, and we see it a little bit when we talk about, you know, definitions of evidence-based medicine, you know, and, and the definition of evidence-based medicine they have now is to say that we need to use the best available evidence. That's really important. But we also need to recognise practitioner experience and we also need to recognize patient preferences, right? Because we know that just looking at the science doesn't give us the whole picture. You know, it gives us little snapshots of little pieces in time, but there is a requirement there for an experienced practitioner. And this is where I guess the, the philosophy comes in in terms of chiropractic, you know, the understanding of you know, what questions you need to ask and, and what, how to interpret the answers to those questions so that you can get a result with an individual as opposed to a you know, general population where they're all different. Um, and so that's where the philosophy comes in. And that's also where the art comes in in chiropractic, you know, is to be able to take that knowledge, but it apply it to an individual who is not you know, the average of the entire population. They're actually a unique individual with their own unique circumstances, with their own unique biology, with their own unique lifestyle and life stresses. Um, and so that's where I think there's the difference between the, the art of chiropractic versus just the pure science, which, which is great for things like you know, physics and biology or physics and chemistry. You know, but when we get to real individual living human beings, you know, the degree of complexity and variability that's there means that we need more than just the pure science. And I think it's great that we're starting to recognise that. Yeah, most definitely. I. I remember biochemistry and learning the Krebs cycle and the electron transport train and all of that, and I just went, I, all I did was learn it, wrote, learn it. That's all. I didn't yeah. understand it. I just wrote, learn it. Yeah. But now 
understanding, you know, energy systems and the mitochondria and what foods feed into that um, Krebs cycle versus the electron transport chain. I like I've just then it starts to make sense. But at the time, they didn't bring the philosophy of nutrition into biochemistry. Yeah. So I hear what you're saying and I absolutely love what you're saying. And I'd always wondered what the art of chiropractic was. I thought, is that, you know, them taking photos of the body? <laughs> but <laughs> well, now yeah, I understand it. It's about the individual and their unique set of circumstances or what's happening in their body as opposed to, the philosophy, which I guess is on a grander scale. Would I would I be right in saying that? Well, yeah, I think it's that. I, I think often, um, you know, traditionally it was, I guess, really the art was particularly the actual adjustment. You know, it was the actual mm-hmm. skill of being able to detect where that interference to the nervous system was and to know what to do and when in order to create the change that you're looking for or, or in order to facilitate the change, you know, because we would say that, that we don't create the change, you know, the body creates the change. It's what the body does with the adjustment uh, is what you know makes the difference and does the healing. But but yeah, but I think as we've gone on, I think it has broadened and, and depth, but you know, gained more depth in that in terms of the art, that it does also include the rest of the interaction you have with a person in terms of the analysis, in terms of the conversations. Um, you know, I think that is the art, is that individualization of what this individual needs on this particular day to to release that innate intelligence, you know, that intelligence that exists within their body. I just want to check in with you. There was a time in your life where perhaps you weren't so intelligent. There was a time in your life where perhaps you weren't following this philosophy. And there's a time in your life where you kind of went off the rails. Just so that everybody who's listening to this understands, there was a journey that led you to chiropractic. Could you fill us in on how that happened and what was the actual turning point or the moment where you went, I need to do this? Yeah, it's interesting. So, um, so yeah, I was a kid who was never really particularly healthy. You know, I, I was never really sick, and, and I'm, you know, I feel blessed for that because, um, you know, I, I was never, you know, I was in hospital. It wasn't like I was, um, you know, really on death's door or anything like that. But I just wasn't healthy. You know, I was always getting coughs and colds and infections. Like I was on antibiotics half a dozen times a year, and we just kind of thought that was normal. That was just kind of me. You know, I was, I was asthmatic. Um, I was, I was just not. Uh, you know, I didn't sleep well. It used to take me often take me three hours to get to sleep at night. And this is as quite a young, you know, late teens. Um, this was all sort of going on. And um, it was really actually when I started trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life um, that, that I started to discover chiropractic. And so um, I had two second cousins. I now have three second cousins who are chiropractors. And, and amazingly, one of their uh, sons uh, I'm now teaching at the chiropractic college, which is cool. So there's a few chiropractors in the family. Um, and they, the girls babysat me when I was little. Um, and so that was the only reason I knew of chiropractic. I'd never been to a chiropractor. I didn't really know what chiropractors did. Um, but I actually sat down in about year 10 and, and I was good at school. Like I was really academic. Um, you know, I was always getting good grades. I kind of felt like I probably could have chosen to go in, um, you know, in a lot of different directions. Um, and, and I still remember, you know, one of my aunties who sort of chastised me at the time for choosing chiropractic instead of choosing medicine because, you know, she said, you know, you're smart enough. You could have got into medicine. Why didn't you? Um, but I actually sat down with the job guide, which I don't know if you guys know. It's like this book that's about two inches thick and it has every single job under the sun in it. And I read through the entire job guide because I was just that kind of kid. Like I was just analytical, curious. Um, and so I read through the entire guide and just started circling jobs that I was remotely interested in. Um, and the more I sort of 
learned about chiropractic, the more I discovered this philosophy that I'm talking about with you guys, the more I just sort of thought, you know what, that makes sense. You know, that what I've been doing in terms of my health of, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, you know, like literally I could walk into the doctor and I'd say, look, I know you're going to give me amoxicillin. You do it every time. Like, why don't you just give it to me and we'll get on our way because you do the exact same thing every time, have been doing it half a dozen times a year for the last X amount of years, right? Um, and so the idea that maybe there was a different way, that, that maybe doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result wasn't the answer um, and that maybe health could come from the inside out um, and that I could, you know, make changes that could help facilitate that and, and release that. And, and the idea that my body was more intelligent than what I was seeing, than what I was expressing, um, and that there was a capability there to be more and to do more um, was really kind of exciting to me. So, um, so I started looking into it, you know, and I, in the end, I narrowed it down to two choices. I was either going to be a chiropractor or I was going to be a marine biologist. And, um, and it's funny because I do, like, I love the ocean. I'd always loved fishing. I love, you know, I think the idea was that I could just go out there and, you know, look at nature, which I love. Um, and maybe do a bit of fishing on the side. I thought that was a pretty cool idea. But but the more I learned about chiropractic, the more passionate I got. And so, you know, I started going to see a chiropractor, um, you know, a couple of chiropractors. Uh, Dr. Dr. Lund Sox, who's an Adelaide chiropractor, invited me along to a talk in his practice. Um, and that just got me really excited and enthused. And, and from then on, I didn't look back. You know, I, I went to so many different talks and observed so many different chiropractors and each time I just learned something new about the body and something new about chiropractic that sort of just energized and inspired me. And, um, and my health changed, you know, I, I went, I, since that day, I've never had an antibiotic. Um, you know, since that day, I've never used the Ventolin puffer. Um, you know, since that day, my sleep has been infinitely better, even in spite of having a three-year-old in the house. Um, and so, you know, the, the proof, I guess, was in the pudding for me as well, um, even though I'd kind of already decided, you know, philosophically, uh, but before I saw the results, um, you know, the proof in the pudding to back it up really helped me see that there, you know, that there was a different potential here. And, you know, if I could do it, then other people could do it too. I just find the eloquence of the way you are talking about this and saying this and maybe putting some light bulbs in other people that are maybe going and doing the same thing and expecting a different result yeah. that they need to look at at different aspects of their health and that's what I'm finding is that we live in a society of pill poppers we think it's okay to take a Panadol an aspirin uh, uh antibiotic Nobody seems to question it until something like what happened to you happened, Brett. Yeah. Like I know we do these podcasts and you're <laughs> the same and we are talking about this all the time and I don't understand how people are not waking up to yeah. the fact that going to your doctor, getting a, a like a, a diagnosis and prescribed a drug, an operation or a, or chemo or whatever it is, I don't understand why people aren't going or questioning it, but they don't yeah. question it. Well, I think I think there's a few things to that. And this is really, this is why I started, you know, writing books and doing podcasts. You know, this is what inspired me. It was literally, I can remember I was at a chiropractic conference in Queensland and it was just awesome. Like it was amazing. And these chiropractors were amazing. And I was sharing, and I was just so excited and so pumped up. And I remember just walking out the door and I kind of just looked around and realized that. You know, all of these people I was looking at didn't hear what I just heard, you know, and, and probably have never heard what I just heard, you know, and that was a big aha moment for me to be to sort of think, well, okay, hang on, 
this needs to, you know, this can't just be in a room with chiropractors where we all get excited and talk to each other about how awesome we are. You know, this needs to get out to the public, right? Because it's not. And, and I think there's a number of reasons for that. You know, I mean, there's a big machine at work here. Um, you know, there's, there's a big machine that works and, and promotes constantly the medical paradigm, you know, whether that be politically, whether that be, um, you know, in your media, on your social media, um, everywhere, you know, the, the medical paradigm is the prevailing paradigm. Um, it's very well funded, is very well supported. Um, it's very connected politically. And, and so for many people, they're, they're bombarded for this. You know, I mean, I see this in my practice, you know, I have people who come in and see me once a week, and, you know, I might get to chat to them for 10 minutes. You know, and so they have 10 minutes of exposure to me talking about this kind of stuff, but then they walk out the door and they have, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week of the exact opposite, you know, of the exact opposite. Um, and so I think it's hard for people. You know, I think it's very easy to just go with the flow, you know, and, and I think more and more in terms of, uh, you know, education. And, and once again, this is something I'm really passionate about changing and why I love teaching philosophy because it's all about asking why. Um, but, but I think, you know, more and more our education is becoming more and more mechanistic where, where it's just about, you know, learning the facts and it's just about, you know, getting by and, and almost learning not to question, um, which is, you know, really concerning. I, th I think it's starting to change back the other way. I think we're starting to see a bit of a flip in education where, where it is less sort of dogmatic, um, you know, it, it's less just the teacher up the front, you know, spurting facts that students are expected to understand and it's becoming a bit more philosophical it's becoming a bit more asking why and analyzing from different perspectives which i think is good um but i do think you know unfortunately there's there's a whole generation there who have been just bombarded with these messages like i said 24 hours a day seven days a week um and so that they, they don't know that there's anything there to question you know they, they don't they don't know that um, there's another way of thinking because they just don't get exposed to it much. You know, I think it's very easy for us who are in the health and wellness world and we are surrounded by people who think like we do and we're surrounded by the kind of messages that we like to share. Um, it's easy for us, I think, to start to think that that's normal or that that's common or, or even, um, you know, not even common, but just, you know, that people get exposed to it, you know, even just a little bit. Um, and I think the reality is that for most people, they get exposed to that a lot less than we realise. You know, we've got a lot more work to do. I think it's incredible the way you're saying this. And one of our biggest things I'm hearing here is education is paramount, but not just any education, because as you rightly pointed out, some people go through getting a tertiary education, never questioning a thing, as Cindy alluded to, just parrot learning. And yet we're not really taught to question why. We're taught how to pass an exam. We're taught how to get through the work so that we can come out and be qualified. In your humble opinion, and from your point of view then with the work you're doing at this college, what is the biggest difference that you guys are offering? Oh, I think there's a few. <laughs> um, but, but certainly in terms of what I'm teaching, you know, I'm really passionate about being curious, you know, about analysing things from multiple sides and about discussing different points of view you know i know that when i went through uh you know chiropractic at a, at a university-based institution you know we had a philosophy class that was entirely didactic you know the, the lecturer stood up the front and spoke to a classroom of you know probably over 100 students um and just you know shared what they thought chiropractic philosophy was um and at the end of it we were tested on that with a multiple choice exam you know and for me 
you can't test philosophy with a multiple choice exam. You know, like that's not what philosophy is. You know, philosophy is a living, breathing thing. You know, I think health is a living, breathing thing. Um, and, and so what we need to do is we need to analyze our thoughts more, analyze our beliefs more, anal- have discussions, get exposed to different points of view. And I think this is what we really do in philosophy at the ACC. You know, we have, we have more discussions around different topics, you know, be they vitalistic or be they mechanistic, you know, what, what does this mean? What are they thinking? You know, getting into the head of people with your views, but also getting into the head of people with opposing views to see why they think the way that they do and what truth is there in, in what they're sharing and expressing and, and when is that true and when is it not? And, you know, how can we look deeper and analyse it better? Because I think, you know, if we just um, if we just sit on our opposite side of the fence, sort of hurling stones at each other, then then we're not going to get anywhere you know we're not going to progress um and unfortunately the side that's probably going to win is probably going to be the side with the most resources you know the most money the most political support the most marketing clout the most um you know political lobbyists um and that's not us right um and so i think what we need to do is just to ask really good questions you know we just kind of need to poke the bear a little bit and say well yeah that's interesting and you know i want to and i need and in order to do that and open up a discussion around that then there needs to be some recognition that there's a time and a place, you know, for medical intervention. You know, I always say if I walked out the front and here you got hit by a bus, you know, then then you take me to hospital and, you know, some of my best mates are doctors and surgeons and, you know, what they can do to put people back together in those sort of crisis events uh, or, you know, or when people haven't been looking after themselves to the point where they are on death's door. You know, there's some amazing stuff that the medical community can do and, and I think it's important that we recognise them for that. Um, and then I think we've got an opportunity to start opening doors and, and, you know, talking to them about what they already know, you know, what they already see, which is that there's a real limit to what they can do. Um, and there's a real limit to, uh, you know, their sort of sphere of influence and their sphere of expertise, which is really that, that sort of crisis care. Um, and what we're seeing in our world is that we're seeing less and less of that sort of crisis care and more and more chronic disease, you know, chronic lifestyle related disorders that we need to approach in a different way. Because by the time those people get to the crisis stage, it, it's, you know, I don't want to say too late, but it's but it's a long way down the track, you know, and, and, and in many cases, largely, you know, irreversible or difficult to reverse um, and, you know, a lot more timely and a lot more expensive to try and reverse. And so I think, you know, there's just some great conversations that we can have and that we do have with our students about sort of where we fit in the world um, and how we can be the change we want to see in the world um, and how chiropractic really, you know, the, the chiropractic philosophy is is quite unique, you know, in that, um, you know, people like Cindy do share it, I think, in terms of the nutrition, but it's there's not many people like Cindy in nutrition, you know, Um some, you know, some other, you know, physical health, I guess, practitioners might share it in terms of, you know, osteopaths or physios or alternative doctors and those sort of things. But but they're a lot rarer, you know, whereas chiropractic does have a large body of people who, who think this way um, and I think can have a massive impact on the future of our world, you know, the, the future of our society. Um, and, and that's what we want to do at ACC. You know, we want to create exceptional chiropractors worldwide who can have this sort of impact, who can help change the way we think about health um, and change the way we, you know, research, invest in um, and look after our people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, now, you talked about like philosophies and that there were other people that um, had philosophies like 
that were similar to chiropractic. And I remember reading a book um, by Dr. Sarah Farrant, The Vital Truth, and I and I thought it was, you know, I'd never thought about it this way, that um, you have allopathic, which means all passive, which is our medical system. Yep. And you have alternative, which is very much on based on the allopathic model of diagnosis and treat, but instead of treating with drugs, surgery, and chemo, you're, you're treating with supplements, herbs, yep. um, maybe, you know, acupressure, things like that. Um, and then there was, she called the alternate, which was a completely different way of looking at something uh, with regards to vitalistic, looking at the whole body. And I'm, I'm sorry, but Brett, I'm not finding many uh, allied health practitioners living in that third model. Yep. They're still living in the allopathic but giving an alternative. Uh, and I, I was listening to somebody talking about this recently and she just said it's time for the allied health to do not have the same paradigm um, of diagnosis and treat but to have a different paradigm. And I, I, I love chiropractic because... I don't know if you guys do diagnose um, like blood analysis. I know some of you do, yep. but there is this, let's look at what's an interference with the body and let's correct it. And a doctor yep. that I feel is on that path is Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. She just changes in three, in the first three months of anybody coming to her, she just changes lifestyle. Yep. If she has no results in three months, then she will do diagnosis. Yeah. And, and I find, like, I, I have people come to me and, and they, you know, they tell me their, their issues and their problems, but then I go, okay, well, let's look at your lifestyle. Let's, yep. let's just go straight there. Yep. And, and that's what I love about that philosophy is it's like it doesn't cost a lot of money. It is actually cheap if you're prepared to get out into the sunshine, sleep, yep. Yep. have and chiropractic care is not expensive by any stretch of the imagination. Like it blows me away, um, your expertise and then what you charge. It just, and then if you're in healthcare, you get half that back these days. So, yeah, I, I, would you like to address that, you know, that model that is very different? We're not in the, like chiropractic, and I say we because that's all I've ever known. My dad was a chiropractor, that we are a completely different way of thinking, a different paradigm. And I think it's a time that this paradigm shift happens. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to see more and more chronic disease. And it's getting worse. Like after the pandemic or whatever we want to call that thing, um, it got worse. The chronic yep. disease rate is worse and it should have got better. We should. We had an opportune moment to make changes in um, the people's lifestyle and they didn't do it. For three years, they didn't make a change in people's lifestyle. Yeah. Would you like to address that? Yeah. Well, I, I think it was a massive missed opportunity, wasn't it, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, it was the clearest example we've had, I think, of the difference between people who have um, innate health and people who don't, you know. And we saw that there were vastly different outcomes during the pandemic uh, based on whether you had chronic, you know, lifestyle-related diseases or not you know, based on the quality, ultimately the quality of your lifestyle was the biggest determining factor of your risk, right? And so I think that was a massive missed opportunity where we could have had a conversation with people about the fact that, 
these people with multiple chronic diseases, and, and as I said, we know that around 80% of them are lifestyle related, um, that those people were more at risk. And, and so what we didn't have a conversation enough around was, you know, we had a lot of conversation around the, the pathogen, you know, about the outside in, you know, what can we do to avoid this outside stuff coming in and getting us and infecting us and making us sick? Because there's a, there's a risk there that, you know, that if we do get it, then we're not going to be able to withstand it. Um, and the conversation that we didn't have anywhere near enough was what can we do to increase our internal resistance so that we're able to deal with that? You know, because we saw that for a huge percentage of the population, they were more than capable of dealing with that. Now, I understand that there are some people in some circumstances because they're too far down that chronic disease you know, road uh, or because they've had some sort of acute trauma or because they've got some sort of genetic disorder, you know, where that may not be possible, you know, where they may need to be a little bit more protected um, as a result, right? But but for the vast majority of the population, you know, the risks that we were seeing um, were related to our lifestyle. You know, we were related to whether we had those lifestyle or largely lifestyle-related chronic diseases. And, and so there was a massive missed opportunity, I think, to have that conversation um, and to start an education process and to start perhaps a, you know, a, a more directed campaign from the government or from the healthcare professions. Um, you know, there was a massive window there, I think, for the doctors to come out and say, hey, you guys need to think about your lifestyle. You need to think about what you're doing to impact on your lifestyle, to impact on your resistance, to impact on your body's ability to deal with these things when they come along. Because let's face it, they're going to come along. You know, you can't avoid germs. You know, they're everywhere. And in fact, if you try to avoid germs, you're going to make yourself sick in trying. And so the idea that we that the solution is to avoid germs, once again, if you look at it from a more holistic perspective, look at it from a more vitalistic perspective, it doesn't make sense because you can't avoid germs. And so if you allow your internal resistance to deplete to the point where even the simplest of germs are going to cause you trouble, um, then it almost doesn't matter what germs are out there, right? Because if one doesn't get you, the next one will, you know? Um, and so there needs to be a conversation there around saying, look, yeah, there might be times where, you know, there is a pandemic. There might be times where there are um, particularly bad germs, you know, and we might want to look after people who are more vulnerable for whatever reason they are more vulnerable. Um, but at the same time, there has to be a conversation about saying, what can we do to increase our resistance? You know, um, one of the books I've just been reading um, as part of the chiropractic philosophy course, it's, what, it's one of the texts for the course, one of the texts that I hadn't read yet. Um, and it's called A Life Without Fear by a chiropractor called Dr. Fred Barge. Um, and this is what he talks about. You know, he talks about a life without fear. You know, what if we ate well, thought well, moved well, had a healthy functioning spine and nervous system to the point where our bodies were really resilient, you know, to the point where we didn't have to fear every germ, you know, to the point where we didn't have to fear lifting something to help someone out, you know, to the point where we didn't have to fear whatever the next emotional stress was in our lives, that, that we were actually capable enough, resilient enough that we could go out and play life full out and do the things that we'd love to do without constantly sitting back and worrying about whether our body is going to be capable enough or resilient enough to deal with it. Um, and so that's his version of a life without fear, where you can just go out without fear um, and live the life that, of your dreams, you know, live the life that you're destined to without constantly fearing that you're not going to be capable of meeting the challenges along the way. It's a fascinating insight, isn't it, into this way of thinking and way of being, particularly if you're being brought up in a more, I guess, um, 
allopathic upbringing, mm. especially when I go back to my grandmother um, in the, during the war who was told by her doctor to start smoking to relieve stress. Mm. Um, we know that medicine, doctors, different uh, practitioners and different experts do make mistakes or perhaps they're not mistakes, they're just wonderful feedback on what could be done better. But it's very hard to change that thinking and or it seems to be to allow someone to come to the other side the alternate side or the holistic, vitalistic way of looking at health, you can't just make someone. It's not like we can all go out there and evangelistically proclaim this is the way to be. Have you found, is there ways in which people, and this happens in families, right, Reto, where yep. you know someone believes in it and the other person doesn't believe in it. And yep. I'm just curious to see if you've got any um, suggestions on how our beautiful listeners could support people who may not think the way they do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I think you're right. Like the first thing is the evangelistic way doesn't work. And we all know that because we've all tried it, right? Every single one of us, when we first discover this kind of different way of being and, and different health modalities, um, become evangelistic about it because you just get so excited, right? And you're like, these are awesome. Look at these changes. I'm going to tell everybody and you're all going to change because I say so. And and it doesn't work, and, and but that's okay. You know, I think that's part of all of our journeys. And I think if we look back, we could all recognize that we were there at a point in time. Um I think the second thing you start to realize is that you can't make anyone do anything. And so um, there's no point uh, wasting your time, effort, and energy on people who just aren't interested, uh, who don't want to learn, who aren't ready to learn. Um, and so, you know, you can kind of stop bashing your head against the brick wall there, I think, is is the, the good next step. Um, but then I think that the third step is about just being really curious, you know, and, and I think that's, that's it. It's being really curious about people. Um, and helping spark their curiosity, you know. So it's just about, once again, if you go back to philosophy, you know, Socrates, Socratic questioning, it's just about asking great questions. You know, it's like, oh, that's interesting. You know, why do you think that's going on? You know, you know would it be okay if I shared with you a different perspective? What if, what if instead of that, it's actually this, you know? And I think using that kind of yes and, you know, rather than when someone tells you something, you sort of, no, that's not right. And so, well, yeah, that is right in you know X, Y, Z circumstances. And what if this is also going on? You know, I think there's just an opportunity there for you to once again be more empathetic towards people who think differently to you. And, you know, I think that's a really important part of it is that curiosity of well, why do you think the way that you think? You know, what what's happened in your life? What have been your you know education along the way? What have your what have been your learnings from your parents and your grandparents and your community and your TV and your social media that have led you to think the way that you currently think? Um, and then, you know, what if there's a different way? You know, what if there's instances where that doesn't work or that doesn't, you know, where that falls apart, you know? So, I mean, yeah, the classic example of this is, um, you know, when people first come in to see me in the practice and, um, you know, we'll start talking about it and they'll say, well, you know, my doctor says that this is going on and this is going on and this is going on. And, you know, often the doctor will say, well, you know, there's just, there's not much you can do about it because, um, you know, it's not bad enough for surgery yet. And you've already you know, been on these drugs too long and we don't want to have you on those. So, you know, maybe just try rest or, you know, whatever the doctor's advice has been, you know, and I'll say to them, I'll often just ask some questions and I might say to them, well, you know, did your doctor talk to you about the dysfunction in your spine and how that might cause interference to your nervous system? You know, and they'll say no. You know, also, did your doctor talk to you about how that area of your spine is where the nerves come from that supply your reproductive system, and that might be linked in with hormone balance issues? You know, and they'll say no. You know, and so you just you just asking questions. You just sort of prying open little cracks. You know, just to see whether 
they're open to thinking differently about what's going on um, and, and whether they might be open to the idea that there's a different way of thinking about it. Um, and then I think the, the final thing is just patience. You know, I think we forget how long it took us. I mean, this might be different for you, Cindy, because you, uh, you know, you're immersed in this since birth, right? Um, whereas for me, you know, I grew up in, in very much a medical model. You know, I, I say, you know, I, I, I give no fault for my, you know, health as a kid to my parents because I know that they did the best they could with what they knew. Um, and I do know, especially my mum, always remained curious you know, and that she was always looking at different things and different ideas. And, and I think that's, you know, and did start coming across different things, you know, with certainly in terms of, you know, the overconsumption of sugar in our household, that was something that mum was quite aware of quite early on. Um, and so, you know, I, I think the, the fact that they didn't know, um, you know, is, is totally understandable, you know, from, from the world that they came into. And so for me, I was brought up in quite a medical model. And I know for me, it's taken you know, decades to really unwind that conditioning, you know, and I still find it sometimes, you know. So I think having that understanding and that empathy to realise that we've developed our ways of thinking over decades, you know, and, and that it doesn't change overnight um, and that it takes sort of constant almost vigilance, you know, and repetition in order to maintain that, you know, it's very easy to start getting caught up in what's going on around you and, and you know, individual circumstances or case studies where, you know, things may appear different and then, and then you start to question it again, which I think is really good. I think it's really healthy. You know, I I do have, you know, an overactive <laughs> mind um, and an overactive degree of questioning and analysing everything. Um, and sometimes I wonder whether my chiropractic journey um, would just be easier if I didn't do that. You know, if I was just someone who just kind of blindly went along and said, oh, okay, this is what the chiropractors say, so I'm just going to believe them and do it and trust that that's right. Um you know, that maybe then that would have caused me less, uh, you know, turmoil of thinking along the way. Um, but ultimately, I think it's that analysis that allows us longer term to have real certainty around what we think and what we do, because we've we've really looked into it, you know, and then once you've done, once you've really looked into it, I think you can have a large degree of congruence between what you think and what you say and what you do um, that allows you a lot of more freedom to be yourself and to express yourself, you know, the, what you think and why you think it and and to, I think, you know, share that with other people in a really honest and congruent and ethical way. So, you know, I, I do think that patience is a really important part of the picture as well. I remember uh, listening to a podcast and uh, there was a quote from J.F. Kennedy, who was the ex-president you know, who of the United States, and he basically said he felt the most courageous act of all was to question, have inquiry, and to be curious. And I actually see questioning, inquiry, and having questions about, the, you know, or being curious is an act of rebellion at the moment because mm. the people that are doing this are being censored. Yeah. And, and, and even now our Australian government is wanting to um, have an act around misinformation and disinformation. And I've actually written to the government and just said, you've educated us. If you don't think our education is good enough for us to decipher what we believe is right and wrong, mm. then the education system is definitely failing. Yeah. And, and so I just 
think that you are brave. You are courageous. You're one of the most courageous people. When you are brought up one way, and even if you, in, in other aspects as well, it just doesn't have to be health. Like I'm listening to Graham Hancock at the moment on, on archaeological findings and civilizations, and mm. I just find it fascinating that this man had queer inquiry about the narrative of archaeology, and you have uh, inquiry about the narrative of, of health. Mm. And, and, and you do. know what I find the ultimate irony in all of this, Cindy, is that the people who inquire um, often get labelled as unscientific. Um, and I just find that the absolute ultimate irony, because we know that the scientific hypothesis, you know, the scientific theory is absolutely based on, you know, the very first step of it, which our, without which there is no science, is hypothesis. You know, the ability to come up with an alternate hypothesis is the only way that science can ever advance, you know. And so being curious, you know, coming up with alternative hypotheses is the most scientific thing in the world. You know, without it, science simply cannot exist. Without it, there is never going to be any further advancement of our scientific or medical or health knowledge um, and yet what we do when people do that is, you know, much like we did with the, uh, you know, the scientists who thought that maybe the earth revolved around the sun, you know, is we want to lambast them, we want to punish them, we want to tell them they're wrong and restrict their ability to share this information. Mm -hmm. um, and we do it in the name of science, which is absolutely preposterous. Or religion, as it was yeah. at that time, wasn't it? Correct that we didn't revolve around, we weren't the centre of the universe anymore. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. Well, I mean, and I just you find... hear the term now, uh, you know, scientism. Yeah. Um, and scientism is this kind of, uh, you know, obsession with the pure science, you know, in the absence of, once again, the practitioner experience, in the absence of the patient preference, in the absence of, you know, the applied science, where we actually, you know, take that wisdom and apply it to the real world and see what actually happens rather than what we hypothesize might happen. Um, and in many ways, that scientism has many, um, you know, analogies to religion, I think, you know, in that, that absolute dogma of, you know, what we know, we know, you know is right, uh, and that can't be questioned, uh, which is, you know, the once again, the ultimate irony that scientism is kind of unscientific is not lost on me. Yeah. The lecturer who, or not the lecturer, but the professor who um, helped me write the course, my nutrition course, hmm. he said that 80% of science is wrong. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah he, I think he would say 90 now, but um, he said 80% is wrong, but it leads us to that percentage that is correct. Yeah. And we can work on that. And I, and I, when he said that to me, and this is a professor um, who's got a PhD in a million things and yep. is an inquiring mind. And he just said, I, I see it. I see it all the time when I'm looking yep. up things. That led to that, led to that, led to that. So it's, it, I'd, and see, I'd people... go further. I, I would say that everything we think we know is wrong. <laughs> I, I think absolutely every single thing we think we know is wrong because because all it is, it's, it's our best available model for describing what we see. Right. And, and so we keep coming up with newer, better models and we keep understanding that actually, you know, I mean, look at you know gravity. Right. And we, and we sort of figured out this thing called gravity. We don't know quite why it works or how it works, but, but we figured it out. We're able to measure it. And so then we come up with this model around gravity that it's, you know, was it 9.8 meters per second squared or whatever it is. Um, but then all of a sudden we go, great, we've got it. We figured it out. This is the truth. You know, and then all of a sudden we go outside of our atmosphere and we realize that it's totally wrong again, right? It's like 
the more we know, the better the models we can create. Now, that's not to say that this is a bad thing, right? Because having, you know, creating ever more accurate models of how the world works is what allows us to advance. You know, we know that our models of engineering are now good enough that we can build a 40-storey building. You know, it's remarkable, right? But it doesn't mean that every minute detail of that model is accurate. It probably means that there are stuff there that we still don't quite know and that we still don't quite understand and that maybe in some slightly different circumstances, that isn't going to be 100% accurate. You know, I think none of it is 100% accurate. I think it's always just our best model of what's going on in the world. And I think if we can start to think of science in that way, it, it totally reshapes the way we think about it. It totally takes the ego out of it. Um, and I think it totally changes the way we are able to keep questioning and keep advancing. Because when we think we know everything, then there's no reason to question. There's no reason to advance. And, and all advancement stops. You know, and, and so I think we need to maintain that knowledge that this isn't the truth. Um, we can never be 100% certain that it's the truth. It's just the best available model we've got to work with right now until it's replaced by a better one. And I think that's the way we need to start thinking about science. Yeah. Oh, I reckon your students are the luckiest people to be listening to you. Brett, you're like I've heard you speak for 20-something years and I'm just blown away by how far you've come and your inquiring mind and where where it has got you. So thank you. And the chiropractic profession should be very grateful for having you as the philosopher or the one teaching philosophy, I should say, at um, the Australian College of Chiropractic. Well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah, if, if you want to hear more of this, just, uh, you know, get in touch with the ACC. They do have free evenings where you can come and, you know, have dinner and learn about the college or, or log in online and learn about the college. So, you know, if you if you'd like to have more of these discussions, you know, I, I do about, uh, what, 10 of these, 12 of these a semester at the ACC and uh, they're good fun. Yeah. And what about, um, have you written another book? Like what what are you doing at the moment and, and how do people get a hold of you? And, and I know we've talked about your <laughs> podcast. I'm not writing another book yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say yet. Yeah. I've uh, no. My last book, Rock Bottom, is is my last book that I've read. I, I think I've got another one in me at some stage. Um, but at the moment, I'm I'm actually studying tertiary education at the moment. So I'm doing a graduate certificate of tertiary education at uh, Curtin University in Western Australia. Um, and so I just wanted to make sure that that I understood teaching. Yeah, you know that I, that I that I learned the sort of you know the nuts and bolts of teaching, so that I could make sure that I was being you know, I, I, I feel an immense responsibility, you know, being the chiropractic lecturer at the Australian Chiropractic College, which, which is, you know, which is a college that to a large degree was formed because we wanted chiropractic. You know, we didn't want to lose the chiropractic philosophy. Um, and so, you know, I feel that as an immense sense of responsibility. Um, and so I want to make sure that I'm doing my absolute best to carry that torch forward that, that you know, we've been blessed as chiropractors to have mm. passed down to us from just some of the most incredible, amazing minds. You know, the more I look into the chiropractic philosophy uh, and the chiropractic history as I'm teaching my chiropractic students, the more I'm just in awe of some of the minds that really um, created this chiropractic philosophy and helped us analyze what we do and why we do it. And so, um, that's kind of my focus at the moment. I'm I'm almost done. I've actually, I think this week I've got my second to last assignment to do for my uh, graduate certificate. And then um, maybe once I get past that, I can start to think about more um, future projects, whatever they may look like. But um, at the moment, it's really, um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm not writing a book at the moment. I'm, I'm getting my studies done. Um, I'm still doing my podcast um, and obviously still in practice and, and really loving all of those things. And then, yeah, like I said, when I'm not doing that, I'm looking forward to finishing my boat and going sailing with the kids. That's <laughs> that's my agenda at the moment. Brett, if you look back on your life at this point and stage, where you're at right here, right now, with your children, your beautiful wife, your home, your business, your teaching, all of the things, we know, you and I both know, that you have been through tough times as well. Life isn't always this beautifully laid out. If there was one piece of advice you could give to the beautiful listener on how to get through the tough times so that you can get to these places where you feel really excited and passionate about everything you're doing, being, and having, what would that be? Um, I think there'd be two things. I, I think the first one would just be to say, this too shall pass. You know, Don't get too caught up in the downtimes uh, and don't get too caught up in the uptimes you know that they're both there for a reason you know they're both there to teach you they're both part of the journey and, and you kind of I feel like you can't have the downs without the ups and you can't have the ups without the downs and so um you know I think just to acknowledge that this too shall pass that it, that it, you know that there is a, there's a there's a higher purpose for it you know and, and that doesn't I don't say that in a religious way and I don't say that in even necessarily a spiritual way um but I say that in a in a really pragmatic way uh, in that I just think that, you know, we learn from all of our experiences. Um, and, and if we are able to be curious enough about it, um, then all of those experiences are able to help us um, and to help us thrive. And so I, I think that would be the second piece. So the first piece of advice would be this too shall pass. And, and the second piece of advice will be, um, you know, don't shy away from getting curious about it. You know, d- d- even when it's hard um and and even when it's um you know you do do it in a loving way do it in a do it in a way that's kind to yourself but but don't shy away from learning the lessons because otherwise you're going to have to keep repeating that same experience over and over again until you do learn the lesson um and so yeah i I think you know be kind be curious yeah that's uh there's a there's a quote i'm trying to remember what it is um oh yeah uh, and this this has actually been on the back of my mum's uh, bathroom door since I was a kid, and it just says, "Be humble, be curious, be kind." Um, and I think that's just a, a such a beautiful summation in so in so few words um, of, of how I think is a great way to live life. So powerful. We love you dearly. We are honoured to be on this ride with you, and we would love the listener to know where else they could find you. Where is your? What's your website now? What's your yep. best contact modes? Yeah, sure. So, so yeah, my website is drbretthill.com. Um, my practice is healthychoiceschiropractic.com.au. Uh, my podcast is on um, the wellness couch. And so uh, obviously you can find it there and you can find that on all of your um, you know, podcast players, um, whatever, you know, whatever phone or whatever you happen to use, you'll find it there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, people can get in touch with me. They can, you know, send me an email, they can message me on social media, whatever they'd like to do. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty open book. I'm pretty, uh, available on all of those things. Maybe not, uh, you know, every day or every minute, but you know, I do answer people's questions. Um, so yeah. And then obviously the, the Australian chiropractic college, they can find me there in person if you want to come and, uh, you know, get into the best profession in the world uh, and the profession with the greatest potential to change the current medical paradigm and the, to the current state of our health, I think, in the world, um, then ACC is the place you want to be. 
Cindy O'Meara, is there anything else you want to ask from this delicious human? Oh, I could ask forever. <laughs> but we can do it again. We're, we're limited. We're always limited by time. But I just think, Brett, we um, we need to get together. We, I, I haven't know. seen you in so long, and it's I about know. time we had a dinner together. I think again. Definitely. Well, let's yeah. let's have a catch up up at the farm sometime. Cindy. That would be lovely. On our, it's on my bucket list. <laughs> I will get there soon. I promise. Bring back the summit. Bring it back. Bring it back. Know, the right? wellness of it, right? I know. Oh, look. I know. Cindy. Well, it, might be, it might be an up for a chat event now. I know that you go <sighs> back. You <laughs> might have to lead the way. <laughs> well, so it could be on the cards. Well, beautiful just, Cindy. Just say when. I'll be there. <laughs> beautiful Cindy, would you like to close today's show and let everyone know how much we love Brett? Thank you, how Brett. Much we love- Thank you. We appreciate you taking the time out to spend this time with us. I am. Every time I speak to you, I just hear, like, I know, you know, you're not a young man, you're you're getting there, you know, you've got a three-year-old, but you've also got older children. And, I, you know, I had so many questions I wanted to ask you about education, but we'll do that another time. Oh, that's, that sounds like yes, fun. Yes, exactly, especially with your kids. But I just, I hear so much wisdom and clarity and curiosity, and I'm just in awe of, of where you, where I, I know you've come from and where you are today. So congratulations and thank you for being with us. Oh, oh thank you so much. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the kids. I think, you know, I mentioned before about a book. I think if I do have another book, it's probably a parenting one, I think. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, stay tuned. That might come at some stage. But, um, yeah, I, I do feel, you know, I feel blessed, to be honest, to have had the experiences I've had and the exposures I've had. You know, I recognise how lucky I am to have been exposed to you guys, you know, to be exposed to the wellness couch, to be exposed to the broader chiropractic community, to have the opportunities to learn what I've learnt. Um, you know, I feel like I've been very, very fortunate along the way. Um, and as I said, I feel like I've got a a, a torch to bear, you know, a, a message to pass on that, that those people deserve to have passed on um, and, and for that wisdom not to be lost. So um, that's, you know, I think for all of us, that's why we do what we do, isn't it? I want yeah. to thank you because that's the one thing that I think the three of us have is that constant desire to learn. And I want to thank both of you here and now for being the trailblazers in the industry that you're in. It is a real honour and privilege to hear both of you speak. And Cindy's right. I was trying to get to to get to the personal level of you, but just how much we love you, your family, and give our love to that beautiful wife of yours. Uh, We do miss you guys heaps, and we want to thank you wholeheartedly for being on Up For A Chat. Thanks, girls. Time for a quick break on Up For A Chat to share our favourite products. The Nutrition Academy is my education. This is where you can do a 12-month course with me on nutrition. It seems that every guest that we have talks about education. So this is your way of educating yourself on not only a philosophy and anthropological principles, but understanding nutrition as it stands today and how we can make things different than what is happening right now. As well as in there, we have a microbiome course, we have a business course, we have the introduction to nutrition, which won't take you as as long as the year-long course, and we also have our summit every single year. So to find out more information, just go to www.thenutrition.academy. One of the best ways to get curious and to absolutely question everything and anything in your life is to attend the Essential Self-Care Weekend. This incredible weekend is an opportunity for you to indulge, recharge, get curious, 
upskill and learn the vital secrets for a positive mind, body, health, and skin. At the center of the work is my favorite, which is aromatherapy. So I invite you to come and join us on the Sunshine Coast or in Victoria for the Essential Self-Care Weekend, where you get to be as curious as you like. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.